What is up, everybody? It is JT Sports. I am back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. And on this episode, I'm going to be giving you guys some of my key reactions and takeaways to week one of the college football season. I'm going to be talking about the Miami Hurricanes. They got smacked by Alabama. What are my thoughts as a Hurricane fan? Why Alabama will most likely repeat as national champions again? Are Chip Kelly and UCLA legit? And lastly, is it time for LSU fans to hit the panic button after losing to UCLA? If you are a new listener of the podcast, make sure that you go ahead and leave a five-star review. Greatly appreciate it. Greatly helps the podcast out. Also, make sure that you follow me on my social media pages. My Instagram and Twitter is JTSports underscore. Once again, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JTSports underscore. And lastly, make sure that you subscribe to my YouTube channel, JTSports. So, as a Miami Hurricane fan, I have to give my thoughts on the SmackDown that Alabama gave Miami this past Saturday. Miami lost 44-13. to now, I at least thought that Miami could cover. I never felt like Miami was going to win the game. I didn't pick Miami to win the game, but I did think that Miami could at least make the game somewhat competitive because Miami was a 19-point underdog heading into that Saturday beatdown against Alabama. So I at least thought they could cover because I believe that this is the best team that the Miami Hurricanes have put on the field in a very long time. Better than that team that won 10 games with Malik Rozier under Mark Rick a couple of years ago and lost to Wisconsin the Orange Bowl. I believe that this Miami Hurricanes team is better than that team. And even with this loss to Alabama, I'm still very confident in this team. I still believe that this is a team that could win 9 or 10 games and can win the Coastal. And I still think that this is the best best Miami team that we've seen in a very long time so this loss hasn't really changed anything about how I feel about this Hurricanes team now I do know that a lot of Hurricane fans are extremely upset and there are a good amount of Hurricane fans who want to fire Manny Diaz and it seems like I have to give you know this speech every single year when it comes to the Miami Hurricanes because you did have a good amount of people out there who believe that Miami could beat Alabama and this is what I have to tell you guys okay listen I don't think that Manny Diaz should be fired because of this loss. And as a matter of fact, if you watch my preview and prediction for this game, I actually said that this game is not going to define Manny Diaz and the Miami Hurricane season. What I'm judging Manny Diaz and this Hurricanes team is not going to be based on this result that they had against Alabama. I'm judging this Hurricanes team and Manny Diaz performance based on what they do after them. What do you do against Appalachian State? What do you do against Michigan State? Okay, how are you going to fare against the rest of the ACC and can you win the Coastal? That's what I'm judging Manny Diaz in Miami on this season. Not based on how competitive they're going to be against Alabama. Although it is pretty disappointing as a Hurricane fan myself that Alabama just steamrolled Miami. I thought Miami had a chance to somewhat be competitive for the first half because I thought that Alabama with all of the players they lost in the NFL last year having a freshman quarterback that they kind of would come out a little bit rusty well it seems like I underestimated Nick Saban and one thing that everybody has remembered about Nick Saban is that when it comes to preparation Alabama the majority of times is always prepared 
And when you look at Nick Saban's teams, there's not really a lot of week one matches that you can say Nick Saban hasn't really had Alabama ready to play. So I feel like Alabama was a more prepared team than Miami. And that is something that a lot of Hurricanes fans have been very critical about when it comes to Manny Diaz is that in big games, Manny Diaz seems to never really have the team prepared. And I do agree with that to some extent. I do feel like at least when it came to tackling, the team could have been a lot better in that department. But also you have Hurricanes fans out there who are saying it doesn't matter who we played. Miami should have performed better. Listen, this is in Ohio State. It's not Clemson. This is Alabama, led by Nick Saban, the greatest head coach in college football history. And what I saw this past Saturday was a Alabama team that was just outright better than Miami. Okay, I'm not going to say that the offensive line hasn't improved. I'm not going to say that this team hasn't improved because you're going against Alabama. Okay, so we really can't give a fair assessment on this team until we actually see them against competition that is in Alabama. Because let me tell you guys something. Miami is not going to be the first or last team that is going to get steamrolled by Alabama this year. Alabama probably is going to steamroll everybody they played this year. Just being honest, their defense this year is outright nasty and it's scary. For everybody that was critical of the offensive line, the offensive line was going into this game with a lot of work cut out for them. You were going against a defensive line that had guys like Christopher Allen, Henry Toa Toa, Christian Harris, Will Anderson. These are guys who are probably going to be first round picks. Miami's offensive line never really stood a chance if we're just being honest. And same thing goes for Clemson. Clemson's offensive line didn't stand a chance against Georgia's offensive line. Clemson allowed like, what, seven, eight sacks Saturday night? So, I mean, I don't think... It's fair to just predetermine that the offensive line hasn't improved based on going against Alabama's defense because Alabama's defense is a different animal. Now, yeah, you would have liked to see a better performance, but overall, I want to see how Miami's offensive line fares against the rest of the competition they play because if we're being honest, Miami will probably never face a defense or a front seven like Alabama's for the rest of the season, and I can put money on that. Maybe until you play Clemson, but even then, Clemson's defensive line is good and their defense is good, but it's not on par as uh, Alabama. Alabama is stacked at every single position. So, I mean, I'm not really judging Miami's offensive line based on what they did against Alabama because that essentially was the second best defensive line in all of college football behind Georgia. So, of course, there is kind of going to be a mismatch there. And on top of that, Everybody's saying that Manny Diaz didn't have this team prepared, and I do understand that to a degree, but at the same time, what I watched on Saturday wasn't a team that lost just because they weren't prepared. I saw a team that lost because Alabama was just outright better. Alabama was just the more better team at every single stage, special teams, offense, and defense. Now, I thought the defense could have performed way better. The defense underperformed. That's where I'm the most disappointed at because you look at this defense. This defense has a lot of experience in the secondary. You had guys blowing coverages. You have guys not knowing where to go. You had guys missing tackles, and that's just something that you shouldn't see from a team on the defense side of football that has the experience that Miami has in the back end of that secondary. You also have Manny Diaz, who is a defensive-minded coach. I 
I just felt like the defense should have been more prepared. And I do agree with a lot of you Hurricanes fans out there who like to say that Manny Diaz doesn't have this team prepared in big games because I definitely do understand that to a to a, a degree. And I do agree with that. Okay, because like if you're a defensive minded coach, the defense should not be one of the worst areas of your team. It should be your strong suit. I don't think Alabama should just have been able to come out guns blazing with a freshman quarterback and new players and new faces on offense and just be able to go up and down the field on Miami's defense. I feel like Miami's defense should have had somewhat of a resistance than what they did. So you look at the offense and everybody was criticizing Rhett Lashley's play calling. I don't know why for the life of me teams and third and long situations choose to run the football. Does really make a lot of sense. I know maybe if you're going for it on fourth, that'll make sense to run the ball. But I really don't understand why teams run the football on third down. And I do feel like Rhett Lashley's play calling was really questionable in that game. Especially in the first quarter. But... Sometimes I think Brett Lashley kind of calls plays in the first quarter to kind of test out the defense to see what works and what he can come back to later in the game because normally good play callers normally like to test out certain plays and certain formations at the start of the game and then depending on what works, they will come back to it at a different point of the game, maybe out of a different formation or whatnot, but that's what I kind of feel Rhett Lashley was doing. I kind of felt like Miami kind of had a game script. Normally, you have teams in the first game that kind of script out what plays they're going to run, and nothing really worked. And, you know, you can blame the play calling. I do feel like Rhett Lashley had a really bad game when it came to calling plays. But also, on top of that, you know, nothing really worked. And a lot of people were saying, well, Miami was out-schemed. I mean, like, scheming in college football doesn't really work how you guys think it is okay this isn't the NFL in the NFL you don't really have a big talent differential okay the biggest difference in talent between one of the best teams in the NFL and one of the worst teams in the NFL is probably 14 points and college football talent differential definitely matters okay and if you don't have a talented football team that's equal to a Alabama or whatnot then most of the time what you call isn't going to work and I know a lot of people are going to say, well, JT, Minnesota had a better time against Ohio State. And Ohio State's not Alabama. Ryan Day is not Nick Saban. You guys have to look at the fact that Nick Saban is on a different tier than every single body else in college football. You can't compare Ohio State to Alabama. Alabama would have smothered Ohio State if they played this week. So, I mean, when you look at Miami in general, you were just outmatched physically, mentally, and talent-wise, okay? Now, is Alabama a better team than Miami 44-13-wise? to I mean, that's debatable. I still feel like Miami could have lost that game in a better way than what they did. I still felt like Miami could have covered but at the end of the day, you know, I'm not going to say that Miami needs to fire Manny Diaz because of this performance. I'm not going to trip off this game because I never really expected Miami to win this game. And when I did my prediction, I had Miami losing this game by 10 points. Okay, so I'm not giving, 
I'm not really giving this game much thought. I just felt like this game was a good test to see how far Miami is from the Blue Bloods of college football. And obviously, as we can tell from the result and the smackdown that went down Saturday, that Miami has a very long ways to go. But then what really upsets me the most is that you have these Miami Hurricane fans who go on Twitter and they talk about, I remember when you used to mean something, you know, I remember when Miami used to be so good in the 80s, the 90s and 2000s, like Manny isn't the guy to get us back to that point. Like a lot of people have to understand something, okay? This isn't the goddamn 80s, 90s or the fucking 2000s. This is 2021, people. This isn't 2002. This isn't 1984. This isn't the 90s. We are in the year of 2021. Miami is not that program anymore. Miami realistically is a program that should be winning eight to nine games every single season. That's what Miami is. Miami is not a national championship contending team like they used to be in the 90s, the 80s, in the early 2000s. People have to realize this. So your expectations this season and every year are solely based on what happened two, three decades ago. You have to stop. And when a lot of you Miami Hurricanes fans and you Nebraska fans and you USC fans and you Texas fans realize this, you will be more at peace. You will have more, you know, centered expectations. Like, I feel like there's a lot of Miami Hurricane fans out there who just have their expectations every single season for how good Miami could should be based on what Miami used to be. You have to temper your expectations. Miami is not the same program that they were in their early 2000s or the damn 90s. They're not. And for all you guys who want to fire Manny Diaz and try to find a coach who can bring that back or get Miami back to that stage, I mean, what coach are you going to be able to find that can do that? I mean, be honest. Miami still is a very desirable job. Okay, nobody's denying that. But Miami isn't a program that can get a Luke Fickle from Cincinnati. They're not a program that's going to be able to get the coach from Louisiana Raging Cajuns. They're not that program. You're not going to be able to get a elite caliber head coach. You're going to end up getting a very solid G5 coach, or you're either going to be getting a very solid coordinator. You're not going to be able to get a Bob Stoops out of retirement. You're not going to be able to lure an Urban Meyer out of retirement or something like that. I know Urban Meyer currently is the head coach of Jacksonville Jaguars, but I'm just using that as an example. You're not going to get just this elite head coach from these different programs. At best, you're going to get a very solid G5 head coach. Because if you're if we're being honest, I mean, like, how good of a job is Miami? It's not one of the best jobs in America. It's a very solid job in terms of location because you have easy access to recruiting in Florida. Like, if Miami is going to get back on top, they're going to do with a coach that we haven't really heard that much about. You're not going to be able to bring in an elite head coach. You're not. You're damn sure not going to bring Mario Christianball from Oregon. Like, there's still people who believe that Mario Christianball will leave Oregon for Miami. Are you fucking drunk? 
You really believe that Mario Cristobal is going to leave Oregon. Oregon is a pretty much borderline college football playoff contender. And you think he's going to leave that for Miami? Absolutely not. So when you look at Miami right now, and you know, I apologize for, for the profanity, but I just have to really use those strong words and strong language to really describe how I feel because like it really frustrates me how people make their expectations solely based on what happened years ago. Expectations have to change. You have to get in tap with reality. And the reality of the Miami Hurricanes football program in 2021 is that they're not national championship contenders like they used to be in the 90s, the 80s, and the freaking early 2000s. They're not. People have to get in tap with reality. People have to stop living in the past. People have to stop. You, you have to be in tap with what's going on right now you have to be okay things change people change expectations go up and expectations go down expectations have to be changed based on performance and based on the performance of the miami hurricanes football program nobody should be expecting this team to consistently be a championship contender miami's football program is at a state now that they should consistently win eight to nine games a season Occasionally you have a bad year where maybe you only win seven games, but most of the time you should be winning eight, nine games. And then occasionally you have a peak year when you win 10 games and make a New Year's Six Bowl game or maybe better. That is the state of the Hurricanes football program. This isn't a Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State where you should be contending season after season. This is a program that is around eight to nine wins every single year. And if Manny Diaz can win eight, nine games consistently year after year after year, I have no problem with him still being a head coach for the Miami Hurricanes. Because Miami hasn't really been the most consistent program. You, We haven't really had a coach who has been able to consistently win eight, nine games. We've had coaches who've had some good years when they've won nine games or ten games, and then after that they just fall off. There hasn't really been any consistency. So if Manny Diaz is a coach that can consistently win eight, nine games, have no problem with that. Because there's been plenty of coaches over the last couple of years who have just had one good season and then they just fall off. Miami hasn't really been a consistent program. For Miami to ever get back to what, you know, a lot of you Miami Hurricanes fans wanted to be back in the early 2000s and 90s, you have to have stability at coaching. And it's not going to be firing a coach every single three years because, first of all, that's not going to help recruiting. You really think recruits are going to want to play for a school that fires their coach every three years? Recruits want to play for the same coach that recruited them to their program. Nobody wants to play for a team that always runs through new head coaches every single three years. Come senior season, they have a new head coach that they're going to be looking at. Nobody wants that. So if Manny Diaz can win eight, nine games this year, have no problem with that. But I really think that my expectations this season for Miami is still to win the Coastal. Nothing is changing. I feel this season Miami should win at least nine or ten games and win the Coastal. Now, if Manny Diaz wins eight games, okay, that's a really disappointing season. All right? But eight games isn't a se- Eight wins isn't, you know, a season that Manny Diaz should be fired. 
Because quite frankly, that's the level of expectations that realistically should be in place for Miami. And you can give the crap about the recruiting and all that bull crap. At the end of the day, Miami is an 8-9 win program at this point. And that's just being realistic. And that's just coming from a diehard Hurricanes fans. So when you look at Miami, nobody really should be all that. I mean, yeah, I'm upset. You know, not as much as a lot of you Hurricanes fans watching this probably are. But, you know, I'm not bent out of shape about it. Because at the end of the day, I knew that Miami wasn't going to beat Alabama. I'm not comparing Miami to Bama. It's a good test to see how far Miami is to, you know, a blue blood program. And it's a good test. But at the end of the day, I'm trying to judge Miami season and Manny Diaz performance based on what they do the next following Games. What you do against Appalachian State, Michigan State. If Miami loses to Michigan State or Appalachian State, then hell yeah, we have a problem. But Miami still should win the Coastal. And I still think that this is the best team that the Miami Hurricanes have put on the field in a very long time. So I don't think it's time to fire Manny Diaz. I still think Miami's going to have a really good season. You just went against the best team in America. And I promise you that this will not be the first or last time Alabama blows out the opponent in the fashion that they did in Miami this past Saturday. Now, moving on to Alabama. Alabama most likely will win a national championship again. And I didn't really give a national championship prediction before the season began. But I'm giving you guys one now. I'm rolling with the tie. Roll, tie, roll. I don't know why you guys want to be like, oh, JT, you really want to make your championship pick based on, you know, Alabama clobbering a not-so-great Miami Hurricane See, Let me tell you guys something. And you guys can record this and come back to it. Alabama beat a really good Miami team, okay? Miami has put the best football team on the field that they've had in a very long time. And I stand by that statement. Miami's going to win the Coastal. Miami should at least win 9-10 games this year. Alabama had a very good and convincing win against what should be a really solid and good Hurricanes football program this year. But when you look at Alabama, my biggest concern is going to be, okay, is Alabama going to be able to pick up from where they left off? And I've been saying this offseason that I didn't really think they would. I think that Alabama would struggle at, you know, the first half of the season. Well, it looks like I've been wrong. It looks like Alabama has indeed picked up from where they left off. <laughs> and it's really crazy because, like, you you would think that a team that loses so much eventually would have a point when you start a freshman QB and you have all these new faces on offense that, you know, they would indeed struggle. But like a lot of you guys told me, Alabama has been doing this for years. But I did think that maybe there was a possibility that they could struggle against a very solid Miami Hurricanes team. Well, that didn't happen. They rolled and they rolled. <laughs> I think roll may be an understatement. I think you can say Alabama Bulldogs, but when you look at Alabama's defensive line and you look at their front seven with Christopher Allen, Henry Toa, Christian Harris, Will Anderson, you look at their secondary with guys like Josh Job, Jordan Battle, Malachi Moore, like 
I honestly feel like the only team in the SEC that is really going to give Alabama a competitive football game is going to be Georgia. Georgia is the only team that as of right now, for what I've seen, it's actually going to legitimately be able to give Alabama a run for their money. I don't think it's going to be Texas A&M. I think Texas A&M is probably going to give them a fight, but I still think that Alabama will beat Texas A&M by at least three touchdowns or more. I still think Texas A&M has a ways to go. So when you look at Alabama, man, like I think this team is probably as of right now the best team in college football. I mean, they dominated against a really good team. I understand this week when, you know, every good team has their struggles, you know, everybody's a little bit rusty and whatnot. But the fact that Alabama was able to roll the way they did against Miami is really impressive. So when I look at Alabama, man, like you look at Bryce Young, and I told a lot of people, I said, listen, Bryce Young is going to be the best QB that Nick Saban has ever had. And a lot of people also saw this coming as well. And when you look at Bryce Young, he was 27 to 38 passing against Miami, 344 passing yards, had four touchdowns. He was very good. But what impressed me the most is how good he was under pressure. And that's why I compared Bryce Young to similar to like a Russell Wilson, like When he was blitzed against Miami, he was at his best, literally. He also was very hard to bring down despite not being the biggest quarterback. He's only like 5'11", 100 and like, what, 95 pounds or something like that. But he's very nimble. And on top of that, what impresses me more is the fact that we didn't really get to see him run the football all that much, like, when things were collapsing and things were breaking down, he had plenty of opportunities to just go ahead, tuck in and run. But instead, he decided to be patient, allow his wide receivers more time to get open. And instead of running the football, which we see a lot of freshmen do, a lot of freshman quarterbacks get in there. And instead of, you know, when things break down, waiting for the wide receivers to get open, they just feel the need that they just have to go ahead, tuck in and run. Bryce Young looked like an experienced veteran. Like, I was really blown out of this world with the way that Bryce Young handled himself against Miami. And like I said, Miami is going to be a really solid team. I believe that Miami will win the Coastal and that Miami probably will win at least 9 or 10 games this season. So when you look at Miami, I mean, that's a very solid team that Miami, that Miami they simply got, they got rolled on. They got stamped and they got stampeded by Alabama. And I really don't think that There is going to be a team in the SEC that is going to match up well with Alabama during the regular season until the SEC championship game comes around when most likely they're going to end up facing Georgia. Alabama is really good on front. They're off the line is stout. The front seven is stout. Like, I really don't see a team during this regular season that actually gives Alabama a legit test when Alabama's in a one-possession game heading into the fourth quarter. I really don't see it. And you can say JT is only week one. is too premature to say that. Listen, I said this before the season started. If Alabama rolls against Miami, I expect them to be right back in the national championship game. Because this is an Alabama team that has indeed picked up from where they left off last year. And it's downright scary. And you want to know what's even more scarier? Um, Nick Saban has Bryce Young for like two more years. So when you look at this Alabama team, man, like this defense, 
is absolutely loaded and it's scary. And like Alabama fans for over the last couple of years have been heavily critical on how their defense has performed. Hasn't really performed up to the level that we normally have seen out of Alabama a couple of years ago. But it looks like Alabama's defense is actually back and it's going to be a top five, top ten unit this year. And it could possibly be the best defense in college football. Either them or Georgia are going to be competing for that title because boy. Alabama has some dogs. There are a lot of guys in this Alabama defense who are most indeed going to be first-round picks, and they're most indeed going to be playing on Sundays. Like, Alabama's defense is going to give people a lot of trouble. And remind you that Miami's offense is really talented. They have a really good running back room. They have a really good group of wide receivers. And their offensive line is way better than what you saw this past Saturday. You see, their offensive line performed the way they did because of Alabama. When at, when Miami plays their next couple of games, you're going to be like, wow, okay, like this wasn't the Miami team we saw against Alabama, simply for the fact that because Alabama's just that good. And when Alabama steamrolls your team, if you're a Florida fan or you're an LSU fan and they steamroll you, you're going to be saying the exact same thing. You're going to be saying that Alabama's the best team in college football. You see, I've never really been sold on a preconceived notion that Oklahoma, like, this is their year. We saw what they did against Tulane. I understand it's week one. Everybody has different struggles and whatnot. But I think we just saw the reason why Nick Saban is considered the greatest coach in college football history. We've seen the reason why Alabama was ranked number one in the AP preseason polls. We see the reason why Alabama is the brand and the team that we know them for. This team is going to steamroll pretty much every single body they played this year. And I don't think we're going to see a lot of games that are going to go into the fourth quarter being one possession games. I think Alabama probably for the most part is going to beat everybody they played this year by at least three touchdowns or more. And I would be really surprised if somebody gives them a really competitive game that comes down to the wire in the fourth quarter. I don't really see it happening this year until we get to the SEC championship game. So I think Alabama probably is going to end up winning the national championship again. And a lot of you guys can say it's too premature based on one week, one game. Like, listen, Alabama's going to roll, okay? Like, I don't need three weeks to see if a team is a championship contending team or not, especially when it comes to freaking Alabama. Alabama has already proved me wrong. I didn't think that Alabama would be able to come out right away and dominate Miami offensively the way they did. I thought that Miami's defense would be able to give Alabama a difficult time in the first half of that game due to having a freshman quarterback and a lot of new faces on offense but you know what Alabama did they rolled I mean like they scored on almost every single possession their first couple possessions against Miami they put points on the board so they had already proved me wrong at the start of the game after the first quarter Alabama already proved me wrong my biggest doubt for Alabama this season was are they going to be able to pick up from where they left off at the start of the season week one and they did so I mean when I look at Alabama they already proved me wrong. I don't need three, four, five weeks to figure out that Alabama is the best team in college football. All I needed was one half, and I already have my consumption on how good this Bama team is going to be. And you could make the argument say that Alabama could be better this season than what they were last year. You want to know why? Because their defense is also going to be really good also. So when I look at Alabama, Jesus, if you're an LSU fan... <laughs> Oh, God, if you're a Texas A&M fan, whoo, 
okay, I don't think Texas A&M is going to give Alabama the game that a lot of people think they are. And if you're a Florida fan, you have to play Alabama in the next couple of weeks. Whoo! <laughs> I'm glad we don't have to play Alabama again. If I'm a... <laughs> If you have Alabama on your schedule coming up, you should be extremely concerned because I think that Alabama is going to embarrass almost every single body they play this single year. Alabama is my lock for the championship this year. I think Alabama is going to win it all. I know it's really early. I know it's week one, but I think at this point, you know, in my head, there's just nothing that I can see Alabama having go wrong I just think Alabama's just going to be physically dominant than the majority of teams are going to play they're already you're already a mismatch against the majority of teams who play simply for the fact of how good their front seven is there's not too many offensive lines who are going to be able to defend a Christopher Allen a Henry Toa Toa a Christian Harris or Royal Anderson coming at you like we saw what happened to Clemson Clemson has the best off the line in ACC and they got train wrecked by George. They allowed, what, seven, eight sacks Saturday night? So, I mean, like, I see a similar game. I see Alabama dominating teams the same way we saw Georgia dominating Clemson. I don't think that's just a one-off week one rust. I just obviously think that Alabama is going to train wreck a lot of teams. And it's going to start off front because I don't think there are too many teams in the SEC that are going to have the off-the-line capable of stopping Alabama's front seven. This just isn't your normal front seven. Normally, you have a front seven that may have two guys who are eligible for the NFL draft who are going to be high draft picks. But you can make the argument and say that this whole entire front seven probably is going to be first-rounders at some point whenever they declare for the NFL. So, I mean, like, there's not too many teams in America that can, you know, stand up to the front seven that Alabama has. So, when you look at Alabama, man... A lot of you guys keep saying that Nick Saban's dominance is going to come to an end soon. Well, I don't know when you guys think soon is, but I don't think it's going to happen this year because I think Alabama, once again, is going to repeat as national champions. So the next thing I want to talk about, UCLA and Chip Kelly defeated LSU 38-27. It was a really big win for UCLA, and that's a lot of people asking, are Chip Kelly and UCLA legit? Now, a lot of people are not surprised that UCLA beat LSU like I initially thought. Like, I initially thought that a lot of people were going to be taken by surprise, but there were also a lot of people who predicted UCLA to get the upset over over LSU. And as a matter of fact, a lot of people don't even consider this to be an upset. Some people had UCLA as a better team than LSU coming in. So when you look at UCLA, I mean, I definitely feel like Chip Kelly and this Bruins team, they're for real. And even last year, they had, in my opinion, the best defense in the Pac-12 last season. They were really good getting pressure on the quarterback. They have a really good secondary. And now it's all starting to show this year because how often do you think a Pac-12 team dominates a SEC team up front the way that UCLA dominated LSU up front? Doesn't really happen that often. Normally, we see a SEC team dominating a Pac-12 team up front. But when you look at Chip Kelly, Chip Kelly has evolved. You know, when Chip Kelly used to be at Oregon, what do you remember Chip Kelly in Oregon from? 
being really fast, having guys who all you had to do was get the ball out to them out the backfield and they were taking it to the house. You think about D'Anthony Thomas. You think about the speed. That's what you used to think about when it came to Chip Kelly. You didn't really think about Chip Kelly as a guy who, you know, was going to have a physical team that was going to pound the rock down your throat for over 200 rushing yards that was going to be physically dominant. You didn't really think about it. You thought of Chip Kelly in the past as a coach who was more finesse. Well, now it looks like Chip Kelly has changed. Chip Kelly ran the ball for 223 rushing yards as a team. I can't, I've never really thought that I would have the day when I would say, you know, Chip Kelly's team physically dominated. Never thought of that. You always think about Chip Kelly coach teams being really fast, being really good on the perimeter, and you know, just being finesse. But this UCLA team is a lot different from the Chip, the Chip Kelly coach teams we've seen in the past. You know, and a lot of people, when Chip Kelly first arrived at UCLA, they were like, okay, like, he's doing too much. Like, why? where's the offense that he had at Oregon? That's the Chip Kelly we want to see. But Chip Kelly evolutionized his offense. Once again, he has evolved. And, I mean, we're looking at the UCLA team that absolutely beat down LSU up front. They literally manhandled LSU up front. And this is a Pac-12 team that did this. UCLA ran for 223 rushing yards as a team. A Chip Kelly coach team physically dominated an SEC team in the trenches up front. And it wasn't by finesse. It wasn't a lot of runs on the outside. It was a lot of runs up the middle. Literally. UCLA dominated LSU. You look at Zach Charbonnet, 11 carries, 117 rushing yards, 10.6 yards per attempt. Brent Brown, 96 rushing yards, 5.6 yards per carry. Like this was a team that was physically dominated in LSU by UCLA. And their defense, their defense is really underrated, really underrated. Really good getting pressure on Miles Brennan. Had a really good time, had a really good storm from the secondary, even though Kayshawn Boutte went off. He had three touchdowns, nine receptions for 148 yards. But outside of him, I mean, like you say, LA's defense was really good against LSU. And I never thought that a Chip Kelly coach team would be able to physically dominate a team up front. And not only that, play good defense. Like, I think that Chip Kelly and UCLA, I think they're for real this year. And I'm really close to changing my pick of who I have to win the Pac-12. Maybe we overlooked UCLA. You know, maybe we just looked at a coaching record for Chip Kelly and UCLA, and we just assumed that he would never be able to put things together. You know, and it's easy to have these preconceived notions you know, he's going in, this is year four, and this is the best start that he's had so far at UCLA. Now, you do have a really tough schedule ahead. You got to play Fresno State coming up. That should be a really tight game. Fresno State looks to be really legit this year. They gave Oregon a scare. That could be a potential upset. You got to play Stanford. Big game against Arizona State. You got to play Oregon. I don't really know if Washington, you know, after losing to Montana, I think they, I think they're going to be really bad. You know, interesting to see how they bounce back. You got to play Utah, who is always a very formidable Pac-12 opponent. 
Colorado isn't somebody you can sleep on. Then you have that big game, the Battle of the Coliseum against USC. You got Cal. So, I mean, there's still a lot of football that has to be played for UCLA. But I definitely feel like Chip Kelly and UCLA, they are definitely legit. You have a very underrated defense that has a very good amount of pass rushers, a solid secondary. And on top of that, you have an offense that can just control time possession. Like you, Chip Kelly has always been a coach who's always been about speed. It's always been about scoring fast, getting things out quickly. I never really thought that Chip Kelly would change to be a coach who would put more emphasis on ball control, controlling town possession. We've always heard Chip Kelly, his philosophy used to be, let's score fast, you know? Let's get more possessions than the other team, but now it's more ball control. They want to ground and pound you. They want to physically dominate you they want to impose the will on you they want to control the ball they want to control they want to win the time of possession battle the old chip kelly coach teams of the past normally weren't winning the time of possession battle because they were always scoring so fast like chip kelly has changed a lot and it's taken a very long time to do so ucla fans are probably saying about freaking time like dang it took long enough but it's happened like chip kelly Chip Kelly, I I definitely feel like this UCLA team is for real. And I wouldn't be surprised if we end up seeing them winning the Pac-12 and if we do see them appear in the New Year's Six Bowl game. I wouldn't be surprised. This is a team that is really good up front on both sides. Their off-the-line is solid. Their defensive line is solid. And on top of that, you know, the passing game... I still don't really know how effective Dorian Thompson Robinson is as a passer. He's still really shaky because I do feel like if there is a team that is able to stop the run of UCLA and forces UCLA to be a team that has to beat them through the air, I do feel like UCLA could have some struggles in that department. But as long as UCLA continues to have that ground game, that rushing attack at their arsenal, they can continue to be balanced. I think UCLA can go very far. I really do. Like, that run game for UCLA is stout. Zach Charbonnet is a stud. I don't know where this was at Michigan, but he looks like an entirely different player at UCLA. Like, I never thought I would have to say that Chip Kelly, his team would physically dominate somebody up front. You don't really think about it. And controlling time possession, literally. So, like, Chip Kelly has changed a lot. And it's taking a while for the transition, but I think this UCLA team is for real. And keep your eyes out for UCLA, because this is definitely a team that could be in a New Year's Six Bowl game. Now, I'm not going to say they can make it into the college football playoffs, you know, but this is definitely a very good team, and this team is for real. And their defense is for real. This probably is the best defense in the Pac-12 right now. We know Utah normally has a pretty solid defense. We know Oregon is going to be really good defensively. But UCLA has a really underrated defense. So, I mean, you guys let me know how you guys feel about Chip Kelly and UCLA. Do you guys think they're legit or they're just, you know, going on an early season Cinderella run? You know, every single year in college football, we have a team who kind of comes out of nowhere. And it's kind of like a Cinderella story. Last year was Indiana. The year before that, 2019, was Minnesota. And maybe this year in 2021, UCLA could be this year's college football Cinderella team. 
So you guys let me know how you guys feel about UCLA down in the comment section down below if you are watching this on YouTube. But I think that UCLA is for real. Now, the last thing I want to talk about, LSU. Is it time for LSU fans to hit the panic button? Because you lost to UCLA 27-38. to And I just got done talking about UCLA. UCLA physically dominated LSU up front on both sides of the football. And you know, Ed Orgeron made all these changes, you know, and we had to forget about last year because last year was a COVID year. This is going to be a different LSU team. Well, week one, I haven't really seen a different LSU team. I still see an LSU team that can't run the football. Not only can they not run the football, but they can't stop the run either. LSU. Allowed 223 rushing yards against UCLA. This team wasn't good against the run last year. And they're still not good against the run this year. They couldn't run the ball last year. And guess what? (laughs) They still can't run the ball this year. So, Max Johnson. 26 of 46. 330 passing yards. Three touchdowns. An interception. I felt like he kind of struggled a little bit earlier, but after the second half, he kind of settled in. Yeah, he had a lot of inaccurate passes and stuff like that, but the offensive line didn't really play great. I don't think the offensive line played great. Your wide receivers outside of Kayshawn Boutte couldn't really get anything going. Like, I just feel like LSU just has a long ways to go, and there are a lot of things that need to be improved. And a lot of people are trying to sell us that the LSU possibly could be a dark horse college football team that could compete for the college football playoffs this year. They could potentially compete with Alabama for the West. If LSU played Alabama today, they would get steamrolled. They would get absolutely obliterated. So when you look at LSU, if you're an LSU fan and you're watching this, LSU, the state of Louisiana has been through a lot. With the hurricane, like I mentioned, Prayers out to the state of Louisiana. I hope everybody can recover. And then when you look at LSU, I hope LSU football can recover. Because so far, it still doesn't look like LSU has recovered from what happened last season in the COVID year. Still looks like we're still in 2020 if we're LSU. It still looks like if you're an LSU fan, you're still in a nightmare watching LSU football, waiting to wake up. But... I would not hit the panic button just yet on LSU. It's still week one. Still a lot of things that have to change, okay? But things need to change fairly quickly. Now, you do have a couple of cupcake games that you should be able to get things going the right direction. You have to play some team, MCN. I don't know who that is. You got to play Central Michigan. Then you have Mississippi State. You got Auburn. You got Kentucky. Then you got Florida. So you have two weeks to really get things in line before you face your first conference matchup against Mississippi State. And then you got Auburn, Kentucky, and then you got a big game against Florida. So you have two weeks to try to figure things out, two games to try to find some answers in the run game, try to figure out, you know, how to improve the run defense. I don't think that the secondary played all too bad. 
All right, now I know you did have some big plays given up in the passing game department due to poor tackling and things like that, but I'm not too concerned about the secondary. I think that Derek Stingley and everybody else should, you know, be pretty solid. I'm not concerned about that. Of course, you do have people who like to go on Twitter and, you know, critique Derek Stingley. You know, every time Derek Stingley gets beat, everybody has to go talk about it and call and say he's overrated. Like every cornerback gets beat. Darrell Reeves got beat. You know, Deion Sanders got beat. Every cornerback is not going to have games where they don't get beat. Like, everybody is going to have some games where, you know, they kind of, you know, have some bad performances here and there. You know, Derek Stingley still is the best defensive player in America. Okay, so nothing has really changed. But, you know, people like to nitpick that. You know, people like to say, oh, he can't tackle and things like that. Like, Derrick Stingley is going to be fine. This secondary is going to be fine. The biggest question I have is going to be at linebacker and how good that defensive line is going to be against the run. Now, we know that the defensive line can get pressure on the quarterback. So, if we're looking at some positive takeaways to take away from this loss against UCLA, you still have a very good pass rush. Because LSU was able to get a consistent amount of pressure on Dorian Thompson Robinson. Okay, you still do have a pretty solid secondary regardless of the big plays given up. Overall, I think that LSU still has to be able to improve that run defense. Because going against a team like Alabama, they're going to run the football down your throat until you prove you can stop it. So when I look at LSU, I don't think all hope is lost. It's just week one. Yeah, you would expect to beat UCLA. But at the same time, I still think that there's still a lot of time to get things back in line. I'm going to come back and revisit this topic after, you know, they play Auburn. And if they, you know, struggle against Auburn, then I think that's when you can hit the panic button. But if you're an LSU fan, I still think that, you know, you should still hold a little bit of faith. A lot of people are still calling Ed Ordron Gene Chizik. 2.0, 2.0, definitely understand that. And Ed Orgeron took full accountability for the loss. Okay, he didn't put it on anybody. You can't put it on, you know, the defensive coordinator from last year. You can't blame the OC. You can't blame anybody. Ed Orgeron said that he has himself to blame. And he does. Because there are a lot of changes that Ed Orgeron has made, but there are still a lot of things that even though you made change, change still hasn't taken place. This team still hasn't really gotten better, in my opinion. This is still the same team that we saw from last year. And last year was supposed to be a COVID year. The COVID year is over. Get what I'm saying? I'm not saying COVID is gone, but I'm saying 2020 is over with. This should be a more improved LSU team. So I'm trying to figure out how long is it going to take for LSU to start getting things rolling in the right direction. So if you're an LSU fan, I wouldn't panic yet because you still do have two potentially what should be tune-up games to get things in order. But after that Auburn game, if things still aren't really rolling in the right direction, that's when I would start to hit the panic button. But it's still a little bit too early in my opinion to go ahead and just panic. So this is it for this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I will be back with another episode. The next episode that I would drop will probably be either my college football predictions for this upcoming week or my week one NFL predictions for the opening kickoff week of this NFL season. So if you enjoyed this episode of the JT Sports Podcast, make sure that you go ahead and leave a five-star review if you haven't already. Make sure that you share the podcast on your social media platforms. Make sure that you subscribe to my YouTube channel, JT Sports. And I appreciate you guys for listening.